Howdy, 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 howdy. Hi, guys. Uh, I'm Jen. I'm Casey. Casey remembered her name this time, and I'm very proud of her. I'm improving. Let's, let's all give her a hand. I'll, we'll wait. Okay, thank you. Take a bow, Casey. Thanks, everybody. I'm back now. Uh, this is Chattahoochee, and we will be answering the internet's questions about Life, love, and then the pursuit of happiness? Wait, no. That's... <laughs> life, loaves and the pursuit of happiness. Loaves. Lerves. <laughs> uh, liberty. Yes. Life, liberty, love, loaves, happiness, pursuing it. The whole shebang. Okay. Our first question is a doozy. And this person says, my son wants a dress for his school dance. What should I do? I think that's a really interesting question. My initial reaction is, yeah, go dress shopping with him. But I also understand why you might be hesitant to do that, because you might feel like it's kind of inviting bullying or inviting unwanted attention to your son. Yeah. So I'm not really sure. The only thing that I'm sure of with this question is parenting is really hard. (laughs) And there's, like, there's no way to predict that kind of conundrum that you come up against where it's, like, you want to fulfill your child's desires, but also you understand the importance of sort of social norms. Like, I know that (laughs) it's kind of a bummer to think about social norms as important, but they are, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to be too far outside of the norm necessarily you want to be within like a standard deviation or two <laughs> yeah you want to be within a standard you don't want to be one of those extreme outliers yeah because maybe i mean hopefully people would get it and embrace you but people are often really scared of things they don't understand and scared of things that are too far out of the ordinary yeah and you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want your kid to like maybe he doesn't quite Maybe isn't aware of the repercussions of, like, people viewing him as abnormal, but you you might want to protect him from that. But also, I think it depends on how old this child is. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think if he's old enough to be aware of what he's doing, maybe high school, then, yeah, go for it. And also, maybe if he's young enough, like, at an age where kids are like none of them are really aware of the norms like maybe like kindergarten i think yeah he could still be totally accepted um also it depends on his existing social circle i think if he has a strong group of friends who are maybe like also not necessarily like prescribing to (laughs) the norms of society then it could be totally totally a positive experience for him if like those kids are going to the dance too they can have their own social support and if anyone has a negative reaction maybe that social support will buffer him against that what do you think jen um i agree with what you said i was my first question is what age and i really wish they had included that here because i feel like that's important information Mm -hmm. um but yeah i would agree with what you said and i would say you definitely shouldn't dismiss the possibility like out of hand, I think it's something right. that you should consider. Yeah, um, yeah, how you react to it overall. 
yeah. is going to be really important. And like, no matter whether he ends up wearing the dress. Right. Your reaction. Yeah. Right. And I think that if you do decide <clears throat> to go through with this, then, and if this child is a child and isn't, like, high school age and aware of what they're doing, um, like, aware of all of the potential implications and consequences of making this decision, mm-hmm. if they're younger, you should, like, sit down and have a conversation with them and say, you know, this is what you might encounter by making this decision, and yeah. if you still want to go through with it, I'll support you, but let's talk about what kids might say to you, or... Yeah, and how you might handle it. Like, yeah. Yeah, I've I've heard this saying in different places, which is refuse to be your child's first bully. Yeah. Which is, I think is applicable in this situation. So, yeah, when you're having that conversation, make sure to make it clear. I mean, neither of us are parents, so it feels weird giving parenting advice. But in my opinion, it's important to make sure, to make it clear. Like, I really love that you want to express yourself in this way. I really admire this about you that you're such an individual yeah. and you're so willing to go outside of the box like this and express yourself. But like, because of the way our society is with gender norms and sexism, people might um, kind of react badly to this. And like, have you ever experienced bullying in school? This is the kind of thing that I've seen kids get bullied for, and I just want to make sure, like, I know you're a sensitive kid. I'm assuming this is a sensitive (laughs) kid. Is that stereotypical? I know you're kind of a sensitive kid. Um, So I just want to make sure you're safe and make sure you're going to have a good time in the stands. But that is such a hard conversation. It's not fun. I mean, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure it's not fun to kind of disillusion your kid about the world in that way. Yeah, but you also don't want them to get totally blindsided by, like, someone being a total jerk to them. Yeah, because bullying is so dangerous. Yeah. Like, kids hurt themselves over bullying all the time. Yeah. And even if you're a great parent, there's, like, like, the things that peers say to each other, there's just something really powerful about that, and you as a parent can't necessarily mm, be a safety net 100% of the time for that. Because there's definitely a stage that a kid's life like, around maybe, like, 10 or 12, when what their peers think of them... Is the most important thing. Yes. Yeah, becomes absolutely. way more important than what their parents think of them. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think it turns back around <laughs> when you're, like, in your 20s. Yeah. Maybe. Or, like, college. Like, you really want to make your parents proud. Yeah. But peers are still important. I don't That's know. That's true. Um, I hope, like, I kind of want to flag this and see if they ever... No one ever follows up. No, but, they don't. But I'm very, like, I feel emotionally invested in this question now. Yeah. All right. Next question. Things to help with my anxiety. I've been very nervous about stuff with my job and friends lately and feel really stressed and tense. Are there any techniques or medications that could help? And they updated to say, I've spoken to my doctor, but she was not much help. What do you think, Jack? Well, I feel like I need a little bit more specific information. They say nervous about stuff with my job and friends lately, and it's unclear to me, like, what about their job? What about their friends? Like, do they have, like, looming deadlines at work? Do they, are their friends, like, excluding them? Like, what specifically is the source of stress that they're Mm -hmm. dealing with from each of those things? Yeah, is it mundane, everyday situations that are stressing them out? Or are there 
kind of outstanding circumstances. Right. Um, so without knowing more, I would advise this person to try to pinpoint if they like more specifically what's going on that could be like the acute cause. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can formulate a game plan from there. Like if you have a looming deadline or you have like a really big project at work that you need to work on, like come up with, you know, a, a timeline of different small pieces of the project and yeah, you chunking know, is really helpful. Yeah, yeah, chunking sounds gross when you think about it in a in vomit <laughs> senses, but if you think about it in like a, a productivity sense, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and if your friends are excluding you, like try asking them about it or like reach out to them. Make ask them new they, friends, <laughs> newer, d- d- cooler d- friends. Did your old friends? Um. And I would say for generalized anxiety, I would advise this person to be active if they aren't Mm -hmm. already. Um, Get those endorphins going that way. Um, Immersing yourself in a hobby, I think, is a good way to sort of get out of a slump. If there's something Mm -hmm. you're really into, like, I don't know, if immerse yourself in some kind of art bowling yeah i would love to be so good at bowling it's like a secret dream of mine is to be a really excellent bowler i won a game of candlepin bowling and i felt great <laughs> you're still riding that high i'm still <laughs> riding that high two months ago um and then that's also active although i feel like of most sports bowling is like the least active maybe i'm not doing i like hurt my back bowling so pretty active but you can like hurt your back sleeping i don't know yeah i do you're right um i don't know do you have any other suggestions casey i think i really like your idea of if it's a specific work project problem the chunking (laughs) such a big fan of chunking chunk it up i chunk Chunk every day um a little bit of like a brain hack that i've learned in my field is just hanging out in my field. I learn a lot. Um, in the field of psychology and social work, um, it's really helpful to break a project down into smaller pieces. It gives you a much more realistic view of how much time it'll take. Because if you ask someone, like, how long will this road trip take? They'll say, oh, probably a couple of days. And then if you ask them, like, how long from this state to this state? How long from this state to this state? How right. long from this state to this state? They'll say, like, oh, those probably will each take a day. And then you'll say, well, that adds up to three days. <laughs> so it's – people often underestimate how long something will take if they're looking at the task overall. Yeah. But they'll more realistically estimate it if they look at the chunks. <laughs> look at them chunks. Also – also, it just seems, like, less overwhelming. It if does. It's like, like, if you need to write a paper, you're like, oh, my God, I need to write this 50-page paper. Mm-hmm. That seems impossible. Mm-hmm. But if you're like, okay, I'll start with my method section, mm-hmm. that seems like, okay, I can do that. Yeah. It's just writing down a bunch of stuff that I already did. Mm-hmm. Or, like, oh, let me write my title. Or, oh, yeah. let me write my references. Mm-hmm. That makes it seem much more manageable. It does. And, and then you're done. Yeah. And also, it's like, sometimes it's just hard to get started. Mm-hmm. If you have, like, a lot of daunting tasks. Yeah. So if you split it up into smaller tasks, then it's, like, that activation energy is sort right. of decreased. Mm-hmm. And then once you get started, you can, like, get momentum and, like, just crank it out. Yeah, just crank that out. Yeah. Also, um, to help with anxiety, a lot of 
our emotions, the way we experience our emotions depends on how we label them. So I would suggest trying to label your anxiety as drive or ambition. Oh yeah, sure. Or something related to that. It depends on how you experience your anxiety already. But for some people, it's really helpful to, like, if you think, oh, I feel so anxious, I'm so nervous to get started on this project, think of it as, like, I have a lot of motivation to get started on this project. And try to harness your anxiety and use it to your advantage. I like that a lot. Yeah, I found that kind of helpful. And you can sort of spin it in your favor mm. sort of spin doctor m- in the spin doctor the situation into achieving your goals rather than kind of if you label it as anxiety it's kind of more just sort of anxiety it's not useful to mm. you it's it's directionless it's just yeah. anxiety within yourself but if it's drive then it's something you can work with, something you can kind of expel. You can get rid of the drive by finishing a task. Yeah. Yeah, it's all about your mental framework. Yeah. It's a lot about um, the narrative you give yourself about your own life. I like that. Yeah. I hope that this person finds a healthy way of dealing with their anxiety. Yes. All right, next question. Uh, has anyone else suffered from this phobia, and what is it called if it has a name? For as long as I can remember, I've been terrified of cruise ships. Not even being on one, just pictures of them. Never been on one, though, and I doubt I ever will, so I can't confirm whether I'm scared of them in general or not. But I remember growing up with this overwhelming fear of pictures of cruise ships in the ocean, specifically when when no land is visible. I can't even look at them without being sent into some anxiety spiral. If land is visible, then it doesn't bother me at all. Pictures of the ocean in general with no land visible bothers me, but it's even worse with boats. I don't know why. I've never been on a boat, so I don't know why I'm so scared of them. I bet this person watched the Titanic as a child and got a fear of being stranded in the ocean and on a sinking ship. I would think... I was thinking more of, like, Life of Pi... Like, I feel like, although they're talking about cruise ships, but I just feel like, I definitely see where they're coming from. Yeah, it's unnatural to be away from land. Yeah. It's, we only, only recently in human evolution have we been able to survive far from land without getting scurvy. (laughs) Uh, I mean, drowning is a very, very, like... The fear of drowning is a very, very basic fear. I'm not afraid of drowning. Really? Yeah. I feel like I when could you're swim in, forever. When you're in the ocean, though? I could, I've never you're, stopped well, swimming. I've never been, like, too tired to swim. But, like... And, like, I've been splashed in the face with a wave. And it, like, it goes up your nose and it sucks. But I don't feel like I'm gonna drown. Maybe I'm a particularly buoyant human being. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's un unnaturally fearlessness Yeah, I don't know where I got have. that. Maybe it's because I've always lived near oceans. But most people do. <laughs> well, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of landlocked land. That's true. But, but people tend to gather around water. Because it's yeah, that's true. fertile and stuff. Yeah. And accessible. 
Yeah, you can get fish there. Uh, I well, I feel like drowning is a very common fear. It is. So is getting buried alive, which I'm also not afraid of. I don't, like, worry about it, but I'm, I guess if I think about it, I'm afraid of it. I don't, I don't want to be buried alive, but also it would be kind of cozy. <laughs> if you say so. Sometimes when I'm laying under my weighted blanket, I think, like, it feels like I'm partially buried alive. Like, yeah. at the beach, like, having your body buried Yeah. It's nice. But it's different having it, like, It's different having nostrils. your head buried. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think that the, this person's fear definitely stems from, like, envisioning themselves on the ocean because they talk about how it's worse when there's a boat so i think Mm -hmm. like if you see a boat you're like i could be on that boat yeah if you see just bare ocean it's like oh just the fish live there yeah if you see a boat it's like oh people are supposed to be there yeah i don't know if this specifically has a name but i feel like this is probably i mean i feel like i don't know if this is a common phobia I feel like a lot of people could look at a picture of a boat on the ocean and feel, like, mild anxiety, but not, like, an anxiety spiral, Yeah, which is how they describe it. Yeah, they do. Well, you didn't ask how to get over it, but I have some advice on how to get over it. Can I guess what you're going to say? Yeah. Immersion therapy? Yes, exposure therapy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, same deal. No, I think immersion therapy. Like, dunk them in the water? Yes. Baptize them in the ocean? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, you want to get dunked? <laughs> uh, that's the advice for this week. Dunk yourself. <laughs> Dunk everything. This week's episode is brought Basketballs, to you by... Basketballs, Oreos. LeBron, <laughs> James. Um, yeah, exposure therapy is highly effective for phobias, and it's a really scary thought, so it's definitely best to do it with a therapist or someone you trust. Um, it's like, it's just not realistic to think... Like, oh, I'm going to expose myself to all this stuff alone. You need someone to kind of hold your hand through it. Or it's easier with someone to hold your hand through it. Uh, You just expose yourself to... You say even looking at pictures makes you nervous. So maybe just try thinking about it, then try looking at pictures, then try going to the ocean, looking at a boat, then eventually work your way up to being on a boat, if you want to. If you want to live your whole life and not go on boats... That's okay. Yeah, this is not going to come up that much. Yeah, it doesn't really seem like this is a crippling fear. Like, it's not no. going to interfere with your everyday life. It's not like a so. fear of dogs where you're going to see a dog every day on right. the street. So maybe just don't look at so many pictures of boats <laughs> on the ocean. Yeah, yeah. I don't see that many pictures of boats on the ocean, so I feel like you're seeking these out. Yes. <laughs> I feel like uh, you might be a little masochistic. Yes. Uh, that is our advice. Go forth into the, the world, young man or woman. Here's another anxiety related question we've been having a lot of those it's a theme this person is scared to back to go back to school i haven't been to school in two weeks due to a severe lung infection i was on steroids for a week and then got the stomach bug right after i'm so nervous to go back because of what people will think i do really well in school so i'm not worried about grades or even the absences i have doctor's notes i'm scared of what students will think my anxiety is through the roof I need advice or a helping hand. What do you think, Jen? I understand where this person is com- coming from because the idea of missing school like used to cause me a lot of anxiety as well. Jen had perfect attendance yeah. for all of like kindergarten through senior year of high school. Yes, I never missed so a day. So Jen cannot relate to missing I, school. I can't relate to missing school, but I can relate to being anxious about the prospect of missing school. <laughs> 
And I, yeah, I always felt like, oh, like kids are going to notice I was gone and they're going to wonder why I was gone. And then like, I'm never going to know what the teacher said that day that I missed. I don't know. So it seems like this person really likes school. Um, and they, I feel like their, their fear is sort of like the fear that I experience about the prospect of missing school. And I would say to them that people aren't going to care. Like they might be mildly interested, like, Oh, why was this kid out for several weeks? Um, but like, it's nothing to be ashamed of. You had a lung infection and I don't know how old the student is, but I feel like no, no middle school. Yeah. I feel like no one's going to judge them. No, I think people will be really interested and people, you could make new friends about it. People might have heard about it and say like, oh, are you okay? But like Jen said, yeah, my main piece of advice for both child Jen and this asker (laughs) is that people are so self-absorbed and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's just the nature of people. People mostly care about themselves. So like no one's going to really worry about where you were. They might yeah, in passing, think, oh, there's an empty desk there. Who's usually there? Oh, yeah, that kid. I wonder what's up with that. But they're not going to be like, oh, my God, this was so scandalous. You were out of school for a month. Tell right. us the story of your medical issues. Right. Yeah, it might be like a novel thing for a day, and then everything will go completely exactly. back to normal. People are worried about their own relationships, their own school stuff, grades. Yeah. So try not to worry about it too much. Um, if you act cool about it, people will take that cue from you and also act cool about it. If you act super nervous about it, people might be like, ooh, what do we have to hide? Yeah. Yep, just go back and even if people, like, give you a lot of attention about it, like, I wouldn't want to have attention about it either. But it'll all blow over, like, super quick. They're not going to care that much. Yeah. Even if they do initially. All right, next question. Do you prefer wrapping gifts in bags, wrapping paper, or another option? Wrapped presents are fun to open, but beautiful gift bags make a lovely photo. Which type of wrapping do you like to use, Casey? <laughs> this is a really interesting question. I, <laughs> They're all so interesting. I have environmental concerns. So I like to go with recycled paper. I definitely love the feeling of opening a gift, like tearing open paper, I think it goes back to our primal urge to like rip open an animal carcass and eat it. <laughs> I think you're probably right. I've never heard that theory, but just the way I feel when I'm opening a present. Yep. Yeah, and then I'm disappointed if it's not raw meat. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? But bags are cool because they're reusable. If you're the type of conscientious person who will fold them up and reuse them. Um, normal, just like wrapping paper you buy on a roll is probably the worst option for environmentally, waste-wise. Um, I really like sort of like decorating and drawing paper, drawing on paper and then wrapping with that, like newspaper or something. Mm. And then it's like kind of a double gift. You get my wonderful art and the raw meat inside the package. (laughs) Um, I would say in terms of my personal preference of opening bags are definitely the worst. Like that's true. It just feels like you're unpacking groceries. Yeah. Like it's not, it's definitely not as exciting to unbag something as it is to unwrap it. Yeah. Although it is much easier to put something into a bag than it is to wrap it. So it has that going for it. If you have like 
a lot of Christmas gifts to prepare for people. Yeah, just tuck them in bags. Um, it's definitely convenient. I personally like to use the funny pages as wrapping paper. Ooh, that's um, perfect. Yeah, because that's what my grandmother always used to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so then it's colorful, yeah, but also it's like, not wasteful. It's colorful, it's reusing... They get to read the comics. Yeah. You get to read the comics while you're wrapping it. That's perfect. That's yeah. the perfect solution. The only problem is that if you're wrapping multiple things or something large, you often run out of comics to use. And then my second option is car ads, like, like the car ad inserts Why? of you like newspapers. To cars? No, just because they're colorful. Oh, that, perfect. And like they won't be about like a murder or like uh, like terrible politics or like anything negative. It's just cars. Jen, you have thought this one through. I have thought it through extensively. <laughs> Problem solved. Let's just save up all the funnies. Yeah, yeah. Stockpile them for Christmas. All right. Next question. What do you do to relieve stress? Um, me personally? Yeah. What do I do to relieve stress? I don't know. Probably sleep. <laughs> I have, it's probably not healthy. You run. Um, yeah, okay. So I do I do jog. Um, and that is a very good stress relief valve. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of valve, I also like to play video games <laughs> on Steam or on my consoles um like just watching movies or tv shows or something can Mm -hmm. help sort of take my mind off my stress which sometimes backfires because then it just like puts it off until later and then makes it worse and like the whole time you're watching something you can you you have like like, feel really guilty yeah like dreading what you're gonna have to do after there's definitely like a vicious cycle of i don't feel like doing work so I'm going to procrastinate, but then, like, you can't even enjoy the procrastination because you know yeah, that you should so be working. you need more and more procrastination yes. to fulfill your procrastination. Yeah, need. it's impossible. Yeah, um, that sounds like our entire college existence. <laughs> um, what else do I do to relieve stress? Um, you eat a lot of popcorn. I do eat popcorn. That's my go-to stress food. It's very, it's very, like, uh kinetic sort of you can like yeah. really shove it in your mouth it's very visceral <laughs> but it's not like super bad for you or anything it's yeah. just kind of moderate for you you can eat like a large volume of it you can eat a huge amount of it <laughs> and i can eat a huge i mean we both ate massive <laughs> amounts of popcorn today yeah and my lips are still tingly i put <laughs> we a also, lot of herbs on we also ate a lot of popcorn yesterday too oh we sure did <laughs> maybe we should take a break tomorrow <laughs> Maybe, maybe, or maybe not. Or maybe we'll get popcorn for breakfast. Um, what do you do to relieve stress, Casey? I, in recent years, in the past maybe like three years, I've gotten really into stress relief via exercise. The sort of large muscle group movement I've been really into. I used to be more of a small muscle group movement person. Like I used to knit to relieve stress. Mm. Um, and I was more stressed out then, so I might have just not found my large muscle stress relievers. Um, people are generally grouped into two groups, people who prefer large muscle, like, it's called gross motor movement, but it's not gross, it's, like, large. large, (laughs) Gross isn't large. Um, large muscle groups, like, your, like, thighs and biceps, like, moving those helps you relieve stress. 
And then for some people, that just doesn't do it. Like, some people are just not into exercise. The thought of exercise stresses them out more. Right. And they're more into small motor movements. Like, maybe you like um, writing in a journal or um, embroidering or something like that. I think, yeah, I'm Hmm. truly more of a gross motor person. That is so bizarre to me because all throughout college, I basically begged Casey to, like, come to the gym (laughs) with me or, like go running with me and she was always like no I don't like exercising yeah I used to like only ever walk around campus for exercise just like walk from building to building we didn't have a huge campus but it was yeah I I considered it enough um or like I would walk my dog when I was home but yeah yeah since undergrad I've discovered a love for exercise that I never knew I had I've also discovered a love for salads I've become like a weird healthy adult (laughs) That, it's so upsetting to, like, think of all the exercising we could have done together if only you had just tried it with me. Don't think of it remorsefully. <laughs> think of all the exercise we may have <laughs> in the future. Okay, I will. Just be glad that I ever figured it out. That's how I feel. Okay. I'll, I'll, try, to, I'll try to frame my anxiety in that way. <laughs> I'm sorry my sedentariness in college gave me so much anxiety. So much anxiety. Anyway, there's a ton you can do to relieve stress. I would definitely suggest exploring new options. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, if I had explored new options that I didn't <laughs> think I would like in college, maybe Jen would be less angry at me now. Yes, I probably would be. Um, you never know. I mean, our human brains, like, the frontal lobe is, like, in a human, the frontal lobe is... Do other animals have frontal lobes? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So just the human frontal lobe is specialized in... Or one of its many specialties <laughs> is sort of predicting how you'll feel about something and how something will go. And so all day long, we're kind of thinking of different options of what we could do in the near and far future and thinking, how would I feel about this? How will I feel about this? How would this go? And just kind of running through those scenarios in your head. And it's really useful, and it's useful for human survival and stuff. But also, it's not a perfect machine. So if you think of something, and you think, no, I'm not going to like that. As I know now, as an adult with a fully formed (laughs) frontal lobe, um, don't always trust that part of your brain that's saying, no, I don't think I would like that. Yeah. Just let your body experience it for real before you make a judgment. Yeah. Good advice. Thank you. Good, good advice. Good advice. Good advice. Usually I have bad advice, but <laughs> this one is good. Um, and I mean, there's just so many things that I think. Yeah, just try things. Um, turn to the dark web. Turn to the dark web. There's probably lots of stress relief. <laughs> lots of chemical there. stress relief. Um, no, please don't do that. That's a recipe for disaster. <laughs> we just like to tell people to dur- turn to the dark web. Um, you know what I like to do to relieve stress? Or I like to play Just Dance. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Let's not get into that. Um, listening to music, I feel like, can be a good yeah. stress relief. A lot of times listening to sort of heavier music yeah. with a lot of, like, a heavy beat. Yeah. And a lot of screamy lyrics. Not necessarily screamy, but just, like, loud. Yeah. Like, emotional, angsty lyrics can help you sort of vicariously expel the stress. Yeah. You can create some, like art like stressy like like just smear some paint around finger painting i used to finger paint when i was angry like when you were held in college (laughs) really yeah oh we finger painted together before yeah Yeah. i knew that 
Um, Remember the time I gave myself two black eyes with finger paint? No. And then we walked around the dorms and you were really embarrassed to be with me. Well, that's par for the it course. Was, it was before school started and I thought it was funny. I don't know. I used to try to convince people that Jen had hit me. Whenever I tried to convince um, a lady at the Jenny Hall that Jen hit me with her car. Wait, what? You hated it. You didn't want people to think you hit people with your car. And I understand why, but I thought it was funny at the time. Wait. You were there. You were there. You were saying, no, I didn't. <laughs> How were you convincing this person that that had happened? I'll remind you more later. Okay. There's some embarrassing details. Um, let's do our last question for this episode. Okay. Uh, how do you help train a puppy not to bite? What dog training tips do you have that will teach a dog not to bite even when playing? I am really bad with that because I think it's cute when animals bite me. Oh, yeah. that def- Yes, continue. <laughs> and I reinforce the behavior by continuing playing with them. But what you should do is... Am I crashing a cord? <laughs> what you should do... I'm going to stop doing that. What you should do... Um, I have read a book by Cesar Milan, The Dog Whisperer. Oh, Cesar Milan. Oh, oh, Cesar. (laughs) And you're actually supposed to stop playing with them Mm. because they want to be playing. So it's, I mean, it's negative punishment because you're taking away something they like to make them do it less. It's negative reinforcement. It's punishment is giving a bad thing for bad behavior. Negative reinforcement is removing a good thing. To yeah, for but bad reinforcement behavior. reinforcement you want the behavior more. You'd want the you, you want the puppy to bite less, so it's punishment. We can talk more about it later. Yeah. So you wanna you wanna not be playing with the puppy when it's biting you. Um, and you want to. My mom once told me this. I'm assuming it's true. My mom said that what you're supposed to do when a dog bites you is to yelp like a puppy. Oh, really? <laughs> because that's how puppies teach each other not to bite hard. Oh, yeah. Which is also why you're not supposed to take a puppy away from its litter mates too early, because they teach each other how hard is okay yeah. to bite. Um, so if you remove, if you like, I mean, everybody wants a really young puppy, like a puppy as young as possible, because they're so cute, they're little fetuses. Yeah. And... But they need that socialization of being in a litter. It's like an only child. You don't want an only child or an only child puppy. Uh, yeah, that happened. I can't speak from experience with puppies, but with my cat Moxie, we found her in the woods when she was only four weeks old, so she definitely missed out on a lot of that socialization. Mm-hmm. And she also, was so cute. And she was so cute. And she when was an she, orb of fluff. And when she bit us, we it didn't hurt yet. Yeah. And she was so cute that we didn't teach her not to um so now she's not as bad anymore but she used to bite she got older but she continued to bite us playfully or otherwise and it was like much harder and much more painful yeah because we never she got big and scary yeah because we never taught her not to bite and her she never had her litter mates available to her to teach her not to bite she's much better now yeah yeah, but it's easier if you nip it in the bud. Yeah, do it from the beginning, from yeah. the get-go. Start it off right. Yes. Yeah. That's some sound advice to end on. That is very applicable advice, Casey. I'm proud of us. Look Me at too. Us, look at us being so advi- ad- advisors to the internet <laughs> at large. I think it's past Jen's bedtime. I'm so tired right now. <laughs> 
All right. Good night, folks. If you have any questions, send them to us at askchatahoochie at gmail.com or comment on our SoundCloud. I think it works better when you do that part because I always screw it up. Good job. I screwed it up a little then, but thank you. (laughs) Good night, guys. Good night.